Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Ain't it just like this podcast to play tricks when you're trying to watch a movie? Hello and welcome <laughs> to Little Marty, the only podcast on the internet dedicated to covering the works of Adam Sandler and Martin Scorsese. My name is Eric Halloween. And my name is Jeremy the Butcher. Eric, we're back with another Yo. Marty baby. Seems like it's been a year. It's, yeah, it, yeah. Two. I realized doing two whole weeks of Sandler in a row makes me miss the and old And then guy. Hubie Halloween. Oh, did we really? Did we do three? Yeah, we did three in a row. <laughs> That's um, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, Great yeah. Fun. So if you're uh, if you're just like a Bob Dylan fan or a Scorsese fan that's just jumping into this podcast, uh, we cover Adam Sandler's filmography as well as Martin Scorsese. We we started going chronologically, and uh, there's a lot more Sandlers left over. So we've been doing like two Sandlers for every one Scorsese. So um, we are uh, finally at No Direction Home. Is this? So this is like chrono- still chronological, right? No, or did we go back? We went back to we cover back it because we covered um, his George Harrison documentary first, and I think we kind of decided, you know, wouldn't be right to leave this one out since it's virtually the same thing, you know. Um, right. But his George Harrison documentary is so spectacular and wonderful, and um, and he gets there by doing this documentary. It was it was this documentary that. You know, um, George Harrison's then, uh, you know, widow saw in was, uh, you know, reached out, wanted to give him the rights to do it. But also, Eric, you know, this is not going to be the only uh, Scorsese documentary we cover on Bob Dylan. (laughs) Uh, There's going to be one much later that we're going to get to as well. What is the other one? It's called the uh, Rolling Thunder Review. Right. Which is okay. Yeah, uh, and I haven't seen that one yet. And that one, I'll say. So I've seen that one now a couple times. I actually own that. It's a criteria. Criterion put a physical copy of that out. So I I bought Rolling Thunder review. I've seen it a couple times. It's also on Netflix. Uh, it's uh, it's great. It's really good. It's a little tighter than this documentary. It's a little more focused. Is it really only covers a time period in Dylan's life in the seventies? It doesn't cover like his whole career like this kind of does. But um. But yeah, uh, that's going to be really exciting, and it, it, you know, it'll it's almost like a sequel to this documentary, which is pretty cool. Right. But um, but yeah, it's it's exciting to go back to this. Uh, had you seen this one before? I have seen this one before, and um, I believe they released like a compilation, you know, soundtrack mm-hmm. that I I thought I'm looking up to make sure. So I just googled no direction, <laughs> one direction. Okay, no, no direction. No, the bootleg home. series yeah. volume 7 was the No Direction Home the soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. I remember uh thinking I remember listening to that a lot. But yeah, I I have seen this um probably more than once, at least parts of it. Yeah. But uh yeah, we'll uh we'll get into it real soon, Jeremy, but uh you know, Halloween has passed us by. 
Has it really? It came and went, dude. <laughs> it came and went. Has it and, really? And <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's November, and oh, yeah. more importantly, on the Patreon, it is something that we are calling Blartvember. Blartvember. And uh, Blartvember is where we're, we're covering a whole bunch of Kevin James stuff, I guess. Uh, we're... But specifically, the, the the two Paul Blart movies, there's a horror movie called... Uh, Becky. Becky. And then um, there's a... Uh, we might we might do Observe and Report, depending on how, how much we get done in November. But uh, yeah, it's a great time over on the Patreon. We do these themed months. Uh, of course, we have Christmas month coming up soon. We just did a bunch of horror movies. Uh, we've been, we're in the middle of a series on the, the, the Coen brothers. It's a, it's a hell of a time over there. Mm, I gotta mm, say. Yeah. And, uh, Jeremy, if I was, uh, I don't know, just your average Joe and I wanted to subscribe to this Patreon, how would I do that? Well, you would go on over to patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy, and you'd sign up at at least the $5 tier. That will get you access to all of the content we've ever done on the Patreon. It's a lot of stuff. It's years and years worth of uh, worth of episodes on, you know, a lot of times we would take that up. Op- we'd take the Patreon as an opportunity to do bonus content or bonus material from stuff we're covering on the main show, or sometimes we'll just cover another director. We, like you said, we were covering Coen Brothers. We took a brief break to do some themed months but i'm sure we'll be back to finish out their their filmography it's a good time over there i i recommend it and and uh you know i don't recommend anything hardly you know that is true yeah i've noticed that about you yeah yeah there yeah i remember one time my uber driver was like which what's my best uh you know how do you want to be dropped off here over there and i said i just can't recommend anything to you so he just Drove off with me still in the car. I'm still there. I'm hanging out with him now. I live at his house now. You've moved in. Yeah. Um, well, Jeremy, that's ridiculous, and you should consider moving. Um, but also, yeah, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Get on over there. It's a, it's a great time. It's truly like if I was getting into a podcast and I learned that I could pay $5 to listen to over 100 extra episodes immediately... I have to think I would probably do it. So uh, <laughs> head on over there because it's a it's a good time. Uh, so we are talking uh, No Direction Home. This is the first Dylan thing we've talked about. I think, right? Say that again. Like, have we we have not covered anything where Dylan is the uh, subject? Oh, matter. that's a good, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, in my other kind of shorter-lived uh, movie podcast that, you know, you were a part of for, you know, at least an episode, the Double Double Feature Feature, we did some episodes there, so it's hard for me to kind of remember way back then if we ever covered anything else here, but uh, I don't know. We, You and I are big music fans. We, like, love music probably as much as we love film, so I always feel like when we get an opportunity to cover something that's either a musical or maybe concert footage like last waltz it's always like a good time a good episode yeah and uh yeah and luckily you know we cover like luckily scorsese has great taste in music um because yeah i can't imagine 
covering uh, some of the music documentaries out there. But Dylan, uh, I mean, I, I know from talking to you that you're a big Bob Dylan fan. Right. Uh, so give, give, give the listener just a, a, an overview of your, your history with yeah. Dylan himself. Yeah, you know, it's so, I, I have a picture of Bob Dylan hanging up. Right where I can see it, sort of from where I sit at my office, like my little computer. Like I, I, I'm big. I'm a bigger Bob Dylan fan than I think I even give myself credit for. Like I, I straight up love the guy. I love the music, um, and I really love his character, like, or at least what you know the characters that he'd put on for himself. Like I always thought that was. That really ins- appealed to me, you know, a young white privileged boy in the suburbs <laughs> that you could just put on sunglasses and hide behind a persona or something, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of young, especially maybe just maybe young men, maybe young women feel this way too. Th- th- very relatable of like leaving home, you know, going, you know, out to have an adventure and, and do it all through music and, there's an air about him that's cool you know him smoking cigarettes is probably why i smoke cigarettes or i used to smoke cigarettes you know um he would you know him him doing folk him playing folk music kind of inspired me to play folk music you know it's like it's like it was that very inspirational i think i got into him around high school kind of never looked back uh really have eaten up all of the dylan stuff i could um huge fan of uh penna baker's film um the uh oh, what's that thing called don't look back um you know l- a big fan of todd haynes is i'm not there sort of the fictionalized mm. uh film um but yeah just just really a huge a huge dylan nut really uh in in a way that i think i'm i'm not even as big of a fan of the beatles you know what i mean like because I, I love the Beatles, but I don't think I, 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 I will go down YouTube rabbit holes on Dylan all the time still just to find out more information. Really big fan of that. I, you know, we'll get there in our, in our Patreon, but the Coen Brothers uh, film Inside Lewin Davis, which is a great sort of other exploration of the sub, sort of the subject matter we'll be talking about today, you know. I think it also helps with Dylan, too, that it's the whole time that he was big or his, the time where he was the, at his height, uh, sort of early on his career in the sixties is sort of some of the most exciting. That's like, that's such an exciting time for the country too. I mean, exciting, maybe the wrong word, but like you have the war, you have the civil rights movement, you have a lot of stuff going on and it just feels like he comes in at the perfect time. And it, it kind of, his story sort of, dovetails into just historically what's going on right you know in our country it's like a it's pretty wild it's a pretty wild story and this is a pretty wild documentary so that's that's me what about you i i I know you're a fan but i i don't know to what extent yeah i would say dylan and um neil young and kurt vonnegut are like the three uh artists that I um, that have probably like influenced me the most because I got really into them when I was like twelve. Right, you know what I mean? Right. And I just have always been really interested in them. Uh, Dylan is uh, awesome because he's got like the rock and roll stuff, but he's also like from a like a 
you and I both like to write stuff. We're both writers. I mean, just like lyrically, obviously incredibly talented, but the music is also really good. The character I'd like to talk about more when we go through the film because it's really cool to see. You kind of like see him turn into this persona like in the movie, which is sort of interesting. But uh, yeah, I don't know. He's 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 just such a cool guy. My first, the first Dylan's probably not the first Dylan song I ever heard, but the first one that I heard that I was like, oh, I like I think I think I like Bob Dylan is. Uh, the rainy day woman mm-hmm. is on um the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we had it was like a summer, and my friend's mom was. We were listening to it in my friend's mom's van, and we kept playing it on repeat, just like yelling, "Everybody must get stoned!" Right? Like, you know, ten year old boys just annoying this woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh. Then I remember there was one winter where I went like skiing with a friend and his family. And afterwards we were in this like cabin and there was a VH1 like, you know, 100 greatest songs of all time kind of a thing playing. Mm. And Like a Rolling Stone was like pretty high up there. Yeah. And it just showed like probably like five minutes of just random famous footage of Bob Dylan and like, you know, probably some live footage and stuff. And I was like, this is the coolest dude I've ever seen right. in my life. Like he just looks cool. Yeah. And uh, the the thing that really got me into him was freewheeling Bob Dylan. I downloaded it from the internet, burned it onto a CD for a fishing trip. Uh <laughs> With my dad. Nice. So the first time I heard Freewheeling Bob Dylan, I was just like standing in a stream in the middle of nowhere, listening to the CD like over and over. Just like listening to like Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. Yeah. Yeah. Masters of War and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I've been a huge fan ever since. So um, I got to ask though, Jeremy, what is your... uh, I mean, this is a whole conversation we could have without even talking about the movie. Right. But I'm curious if you have a favorite Dylan album. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think, um, I think that Freewheeling. I think you go through eras w- with Bob Dylan. Like, uh, you know, you almost like grow up as he grows up. So, like, I feel like the Freewheeling is like a very great beginning to getting into him. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a great album, but like it's it, eventually once you've kind of exhausted that period, you, you know, you'll move on to something like blonde on blonde, you know, and you'll hear mm. like the rock stuff, you know, and who knows how freaky you get. Maybe you even get into like the weird gospel stuff. You listen to saved, you know, like one of yeah. those albums or something. But for me, weirdly, um, an album that I keep putting on, uh, is another side. Of Bob Dylan. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. That is, that's, that seems to be like, no matter what time period I'm really focusing on of his career, I can, I still keep, something draws me back to that album over and over. And I, and I, I think it's, there's so many great songs on it, obviously, but it's just, it might just be because it's not, you know, the freewheeling and freewheeling is just songs that I have just etched into my brain. I've listened to them millions of times. Another side 
I still feel like I haven't really exhausted that one. I think like eventually I will, but you know, not yet. What about you? Do you have a favorite? Um, I, it's probably freewheeling or blonde on blonde. Yeah, it's probably it's probably freewheeling just because like just raw like Bob Dylan. Yeah, on his own is great. Uh, it's funny though because I he's one of those artists I revisit, and I, there's still some albums I probably haven't even really listened to. Um, but New Morning is one that I knew some songs from, but this year I started getting really into the album. Yeah. And it's such an interesting period because it's like sort of, I think it's around like, um, man, when was, yeah, it's right after Nashville Skyline. So he's like getting out of that weird like crooner yes. <laughs> voice and he, and he that had, he was he, doing. He has his beard in New Morning. Yeah. New Morning, yeah. But he sounds like New Morning comes out like in 1970. So this is like seven years after Freewheeling. And he sounds like between those two albums, he's aged like two decades. Right. Like he just sounds like so wiser and wiser. um, Yeah. And his his voice literally changes too, which is weird. You know what I mean? Like he changes the way he sings songs, uh, even from, you know, from Free Will into Blonde on Blonde, but even then more to New Morning. And I mean, is this, when is Dylan in the Dead? Is that the 80s? Because. Yeah, I think that's so. a pretty wild time. Um, you know, I I always think of uh, Big Lebowski, how that opens with "Man and Me." You know that that yeah. other Dylan, and that's a weird time for Dylan. Like his voice just sounds so different. <laughs> you know, it, I, yeah. I always thought that was so weird how he would sing. He could just he could just uh, change personas, but then also just change his singing style. It never once sounds good necessarily <laughs> but it always but yeah. it always sounds different you know as it sounds different as time goes on which i think is just so wild <laughs> yeah it's good stuff uh, i was trying to look up the name of he did that christmas album like in 2009 mm. must be santa he his, this the original i think this is an original dylan christmas song um, Must be Santa. <laughs> yeah, listen. Uh, I ch- I urge the the listeners to uh, check out Must Be Santa this holiday season, and the 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 music video is great. Um, but Jeremy, were you aware that the uh, Bob Dylan's management gave Scorsese access to its vaults, uh, which is something Dylan has never given to any documentary filmmaker? Mm. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, so I, I read that. Um, do you want to go through what they pulled out? Because it's pretty sure. fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so hundreds of hours of historical footage came from that vault uh, in Dylan's offices. Uh, a scratchy recording of Dylan's high school rock band was found in there. His 1965 mm-hmm. screen test for Andy Warhol was found in there. And then a newly discovered footage from the famous Manchester uh, Free Trade Hall concert was there, uh, which captures the moment when an angry fan called him Judas, Mm. which is uh, right before he plays Like a Rolling Stone. All of that shot by D.A. Pennebaker, who did make the, um, the Don't Look Back film, which is great. If you haven't seen that, Eric, too, I'd listeners, I definitely recommend that. It's, 
it's a great documentary. But but just that that foot that footage alone is like, you know, also hearing that like some of it was like just water damaged, <laughs> just sitting in like yeah water. It's just like gosh, that that needs to be in the Smithsonian. You know, it needs to be somewhere like not <laughs> not like in his in like his U-Haul storage container that he's renting in right. Pico Rivera or something. <laughs> right. Um. No Direction Helms. We were talking about this before the uh, we started recording, but this is part of, uh, what was it called? The American Masters series. Yes. Um, uh, on PBS. So this was originally uh, aired on television in the US and the UK uh, in September of 2005. Uh, the project began to take shape in 95 when Dylan's manager, uh, Jeff Rosen, began scheduling interviews with Dylan's friends and associates. Among those were poet Allen Ginsberg and folk musician Dave Van Ronk, both of whom died before the film was completed. Dylan's old girlfriend Susie Rot- Rotolo, Rotolo uh, also granted a rare interview, and she later told Rolling Stone she was pleased with the product project's results. Uh, Dylan also sat for ten hours, or sat for ten hours in a relaxed and open conversation with Rosen in two thousand. Other interviews with those who knew him at the time include Joan Baez, Pete Seeger, Liam Clancy, Maria Muldar, mm-hmm. Peter Yarrow, John Cohen, singer Mavis Staples, artist Bob Neurith, uh, guitarist Al Cooper, and promoters like Harold Levin- Le- Leventhal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of really cool interviews in this. <laughs> yeah, it's so I don't know. It, tell me what you think but what rewatching this documentary made me it really it became really clear that the project was not from one like it, it wasn't like so it being released in 2005 is like deceptive in so much as like a lot of these interviews took place almost a decade before or maybe even longer before Right. Like the idea that Dylan's contribution in this documentary was, you know, a conversation that happened in the year 2000 where Scorsese wasn't even around for it. Like that's, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of, that kind of shapes the tone of it a little bit. Like, you know, you see Dave Von Ronk, but you know, Dave Von Ronk's dead or been dead for a lot or a while. So it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. It it has this really weird vibe to it, where it's they're they're getting all these like little clips and 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 little stings and little voice, um, little yeah little phrases from like all over time from throughout time. You know, like it's not it's not like you know normally these days you watch a documentary and it was probably at least most of it was shot within the last couple of years. You know, right. Well, I think part of that too is that this is like a PBS thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this is more of a, uh, I don't want to say lower budget, but like just more, if if the intention was to show this on television as like part of a documentary series, yeah, right. I don't know. Because uh, you, you see a lot of that um, in TV documentaries. But yeah, it does feel a little like there's bits and pieces from from all over the place. It's interesting. You know that that part where di, you, the Dylan interview, where um, man, I can't remember the line, but I thought it was Scorsese asks him, uh, 
Um, he says something really funny to Scorsese that, can't, that basically telling him that he like hates doing interviews. Yeah. Or yeah. answering questions or whatever. Right. Was that Scorsese? It might have been. It sounded like it was. It, it might have been. I just... I, I just... Uh, anytime I heard the voice coming from behind the camera, it sounded like a guy I didn't recognize, which makes me think that it was Rosen. Oh, okay. Also, what's, also what's strange is like... So if you watch enough documentary content about like say dylan or or other folk artists from this era you'll see you'll recognize a lot of the same footage from this and Mm -hmm. whatever the other thing you're watching it may not be the same like clip of the person but you'll notice like like for example the guy with the beer in the bar you know who i'm talking about or mm-hmm. early on he's like kind of he's like part of that like almost acapella irish group or whatever scottish group yeah like he's shows up in a bunch of these documentaries but at that same bar holding the same beer so it's like clearly from the same interview you know what i mean interesting yeah so there's yeah. like so yeah you'll see you'll see footage from this kind of pop up all over the place which is which you know lends to like how iconic this this project became like the the all the joan Baez stuff like that's how I think of Joan Baez, you know what I mean? With like the white hair, the short hair, white hair, giving an you know what I mean? Like giving an interview. Even though it was old when I was watching it, like it, the the conversation took place maybe years before, even then, to me I'm like, okay, that's Joan Baez now. <laughs> and right. Joan Baez before looks like this. Uh, in so much as if you ever watch the movie I'm Not There, the Todd Haynes sort of experimental Dylan film, I think it's Julianne Moore who plays Joan Baez. She looks just like the Joan Baez from these from this documentary. Right. If that makes sense. Like like they 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 dress up people to look like this documentary when they're doing the documentary stuff in that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh Good stuff. I'm trying to find out if there is anything else production-wise that I wanted to mention. Um, oh, according to Rolling Stone, an unnamed source close to the project claimed that Dylan had no involvement with the project apart from the interview, saying that Dylan has no interest in this. Bob truly does not look back. However, work on the first installment of Dylan's autobiography did overlap production on the project, though it's unclear how much if any influences. Uh, yeah, I just can't imagine like Bob Dylan really being that into like a documentary about himself. You know what <laughs> I mean? Live footage is another thing, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to tell. Cause there's like moments I would say in like interview proper interviews, Bob Dylan is very like kind of cagey and like silly and like intentionally gives ridiculous answers and things but there's like footage in this movie where he's not on stage like there's when he's in the car like smoking a cigarette at the end of a show and he knows the camera's on him and he's being all like silly and stuff yeah i don't know it's interesting to see that you you kind of wonder like how much of this uh like broadcasting of his story and stuff he's he's actually cares about i it's weird because he a guy like dylan who rose to that sort of height and like kind of remains and has always remained almost like a mythical creature in our society you know 
it doesn't I don't think a guy like that is concerned with something like this. Like I think he's his yeah. concerns are a little different. Like and and I also think like not that he, I don't think he's like intentionally trying to keep up some sort of myth of himself or like some sort of reputation. But like the guy never cared about this. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it wouldn't be he wouldn't be who he is at least in my mind if all of a sudden he was like yeah guys film please more oh guys don't leave come on i want to answer more questions like like the fact that he's still just as cagey and strange and like doesn't show up to his own like nobel peace prize except <laughs> or whatever it was the yeah yeah uh that makes me happy because all this self-congratulatory stuff, like he was always sort of above that or like beside that, like didn't really, didn't didn't find a lot of happiness or a lot of fulfillment in like some self-congratulatory stuff or even relishing for a moment in the genius of his own work. Like he never wanted to even acknowledge that what he was doing was more special than anything else anyone else was doing <laughs> right um so i think we should just tackle this the same way we did the the harrison documentary yeah. and just kind of like talk about parts that we liked moments that uh stood out to us um is there anything that comes to mind right away yeah i kind of want to just so i'm not jumping around too much i want to kind of start with whatever the earliest one i noticed was but like um Let's start with the uh, just the stuff about him being like him becoming Bob Dylan, going from like whatever Robert Zimmerman or whatever, and then becoming Bob Dylan, and just like sort of the liar Dylan, you know, like like this documentary show. So you know, I mean, you should have watched the documentary before listening to this, but if you haven't. The documentary poses basically Bob Dylan in his early years as a liar and a scoundrel. Like he was this little, I imagine this little kind of shitty kid who you really wouldn't want to hang out with. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he like, he starts immediately stealing people's like, per, like if he likes something about their personality or about like their persona, he'll like take it for himself. Uh, he at one point steals a bunch of records from a friend's house. Um, He pretends to be from different other rural places around the country when he's not. He, uh, he lies about meeting Woody Guthrie. I think at one point he still maintains that he met Woody Guthrie on his deathbed, which a lot of people have debunked as being not, not right. Um, He stole his name from Dylan Thomas. He'll end up stealing music from other folk musicians uh like what do you think about all that stuff because it's like you see you see the monster kind of being created over time and it's and i guess this is one of the first times i've ever seen them break it down like the reality of it like they don't really sugarcoat it either like like nah he he (laughs) he like did this and it was really yeah wasn't there one guy who like he just recorded his song like on the, his album yeah without and the guy told him not to and he did it anyway or something yeah it's dave von ronk who already yeah. had a very he's 
Davon Ronk's story is more tragic. That's what Inside Lewin Davis is about. He struggled his whole career. And he, I think mm-hmm. he either wrote or he, or he at least popularized, uh, at least locally, House of the Rising Sun. And Bob Dylan yes, right. records that song That's and then it. later asks him for permission. And Dave Ron goes, actually, I'd prefer if you didn't. And then Bob Dylan's like, oops, because <laughs> he <laughs> had already done it. Uh, and, you know, that story ends with the great Dave Von Ronk mentioning that the animals uh, ended up recording their version, which ends up being the more popular version. And then Dylan has to stop uh, actually playing House of the Rising Sun because they feel like the, the public thinks that he's stealing it from the animals. It's very funny because it's like sort of karmatic, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is interesting that they, they really... Uh I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I watched all that stuff, and you know, it, it watching that as someone who's just like ador- adores Bob Dylan and is just he's like my one of my favorite uh, creative people. I don't know if part of me is just like I don't want to like think about that necessarily. Yeah, but it is interesting because it's. I mean, if it's true, it's got it's got to be told. I d- I will say a lot of it, like the stealing the records and stuff like that. Um, I think it's just kind of like innocent, like him being a little shit kind yeah, of a thing. Right. Like he is like a super young kid when a lot of this stuff is happening. Yeah. Um, but at the same time there is like, like the house of the rising sun thing, uh, you know, where I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of, that kind of sucks actually I that he did that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. Maybe I, I maybe the, just the way I brought this up was I was maybe misrepresenting how I felt about it. I don't, I don't find this to be shitty or embarrassing you know what i mean or like i i I think it's fascinating i love it i love i love this the sort of humanizing of dylan like we all start off weird you know what i mean like none of you like like it would be really it wouldn't feel right if i think if he just came out swinging with blown in the wind you know like (laughs) and like a fully formed icon you know it's like no like he he starts out like a scoundrel and a thief and a liar. And I think that informs a lot of his career. And I, and I, and I think that's like, not just okay. I think it's like insightful. Like I really, I've come to appreciate that about Bob Dylan, that he's not like a, he's not like a God or like a do-gooder. You know what I mean? Like, in fact, whenever like people give him, try to put him in a box, any kind of box, he ends up doing the opposite anyway. So it's like, Oh, you're a uh, civil rights folk singer. He's like, no, I'm not. I'm a rock and roll star. <laughs> don't ever, <laughs> don't ever think I'm a folk singer. <laughs> you know, like, uh. yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's it's interesting to to see this kind of stuff in the same documentary where, like, you know, uh, not too long afterwards, people like do think of him as a prophet. Like, he's. I almost feel bad for him in this documentary at some points. Um, especially with the reception of like him going electric and whatnot, like the, all the weenies, all the dumb idiots that are like (laughs) angry at him for like wanting to be in a band. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that sucks, man. That's gotta suck. Like to be, to get to that point, uh, where he's, I mean, it would suck to just be someone who, you know, that other people think that you're like above them and you're like, great like you know this like all knowledgeable like prophet 
uh, super musician guy um, who has all the answers. It would suck to just know that people think that about you, but also to like try and do something different creatively and all those people turn on you. Yeah. It's annoying. It's like, it's like no wonder. Cause he goes on the, you know, they mention at the end of the documentary, um, he doesn't tour for eight years after this right. incident. Um, so yeah, it's inter- it, it, it's very interesting to see him, uh, go from, uh, you know, the little Minnesota town to big, where we big old New York. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The gaslight district in, uh, what was it Soho? Is that like where kind of where he so. grows g- comes up in? Yeah, that's I think that's um that's that's also a really cool aspect of this. What what are your thoughts around just like the scene? Um I'm not gonna lie, when I watched this documentary, I know the world sucked back then. <laughs> I know that it was a terrible time for the country. There was a lot going on politically and socially in the culture that would have made things very difficult uh for for folks um but there's a part of me that when i just see when i just look at it the scene in a vacuum like the folk scene in a vacuum i can't help but get a little jealous i'm like that seems like right up my alley to be just hobnobbing around with a bunch of poets and writers and musicians and everyone's doing freak stuff and I bet the theater scene was super weird back then too. And it just mm. seems like a really creative melting pot. Yeah. And it's like intellectual too. Yeah. Like it's not just about like creativity, but this sort of like intellectual thinking. That's really interesting that, um, yeah, we don't like see that in a lot of other eras of like art or entertainment. Um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it definitely makes me want to be in one of those coffee houses, you know, just watching Dylan and Joan Baez and Dave Von Ronk and Pete Seeger just playing music. Like, yeah, I want to go there now, you know. Let's do it, dude. Right? Yeah, right. You want to stop recording and go to uh, New York in the 60s? Dude, if I if I could, boy, I sure would. <laughs> Uh, what I like about Dylan, we get a lot of like Dylan performing live. Um, he's a re- he's really talented. It's funny he's he he's like kind of sloppy when he plays live, mm-hmm. and it's sort of nice to see. You know what I mean? It's like okay, this guy isn't like perfect. Um, you know, like that version of, of the like Rolling Stone towards the end. Oh yeah. Um, it's like yeah, this is not like a perfect execution of this song, or even when he's playing. My favorite um, live recording, I think it, it's it, it's in the bootleg series, and it's like a Halloween uh, concert from oh right seventy six or something. I'm wearing my Bob and he Dylan costume. Out. Is that what he says? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. he uh, somewhere sometime dur- during the show, he admits that he like smoked too much weed beforehand <laughs> or something. <laughs> And it's so good, and he's doing all these like seven minute like stream of consciousness lyric like songs, and uh, it's kind of he like messes up a little bit, and that's all right. And it's like uh, it's just cool, man. It's just like uh, it's a good vibe, you know. Well, let me ask you this about Dylan the musician in general, right? Like, what do you think makes Dylan 
so good because here here's a couple things that doesn't make him good. His voice is not beautiful traditionally, <laughs> and yeah. his playing is not that proficient. Like he's not that good at playing music, really. Like he's okay, he gets by, but like what is it? I mean, I think it's about lyrics and vibe. That's what I think I'm attracted to. Is I think his lyrics are really interesting and really cool. And then he's all vibes, man. And he out vibes everybody back then. Right. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, yeah, it's his lyrics for me, I guess. I don't know. Like, there's not a lot of artists you can throw on and, like, after the song is done, you're still thinking about, like, the words that they said. Right. Like, hey, what, right. what is that? What did they mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? What do you, like, mean, what do you mean the sun isn't yellow? It's chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I think also too, like his melodies are good. You know what I mean? Like they're they're catchy. I think you know. I think about songs like "Don't Think Twice." You know, that's a catchy song. It's a it's a nice song you want to hum to yourself. It gets it gets stuck in your head. But it's like, you know, I th- he's there are other musicians who who sing better and who are play better. But it's like they're not cool or something they're not as cool as dylan like dylan's vibe was just like almost like here i am deal with me like i kind of don't care what you think like that that vibe it's like poison or something it like once it gets in you or once you get a taste for like that actually caring too much is bad (laughs) like i feel (laughs) like that's informed my whole like career in comedy and entertainment. It's just like, you can't let them know you care. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Right. Um, I also like that he, and it's funny, it's, we see like the negative, uh, reception of this in the documentary, but he goes through these little eras and we kind of talked about this before, but like, the like the blood on the tracks and desire era i was i just listened to desire like a week ago i went up i was i was like driving through farm country listening to desire and uh it was great man it was so uh, that album is so good and you think about that and those songs versus the stuff that's on blonde and blonde 10 years earlier right you know and he probably went through he went through the crooner phase in between that and probably another one and um you know, freewheeling is two years before High- Highway 61 revisited. Yeah. Um, you know, he, an album that's like one of the greatest, like probably the greatest like solo folk singer album. Uh, and then probably one of the greatest rock and roll albums of the 60s, like two years later. Yeah, man. Um, and it's cool. Um, Desire, by the way, is... Uh, yeah, Blood on the Tracks and Desire are... Those two back to back, absolute in- incredible stuff. And if you are really a big fan of that era of Dylan, just just you wait for the Rolling Thunder review because that is what that whole oh, documentary cool. is about. It's it's about that th- that time period where he's got he's got all of like the Native American stuff on. <laughs> like he's wearing yeah. like he has like face paint when he goes on stage, and he's got a, right. a cool like dusty leather cowboy hat. Like just yeah, he looks. 
it's a it's whole, last waltz era too. Yeah, it, it's it's a weird. It's a weirdly. It's a whole different vibe. You know, like a whole different vibe. Like it's more country and dusty and rugged uh, than than the stuff he was doing that felt very New York, almost pretentious leather jacket. You know, that kind of that kind of vibe. Um, uh, not to not to go back, but uh, you know, on Dylan's looks, like what era of Dylan do you feel like you sort of relate to? Like who's your, when you think of Bob Dylan, what do you think of? What's the image? Um, I think I typically think of like young Dylan with the like fro. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's that, there's a clip where he's sitting at a piano, mm-hmm. a live clip in this one. And that's like pretty much what I picture when I think of Bob Dylan. Right. You know, he's got the hair going out all over the place and he's kind of scrawny and, um, but when I want to think of cool Dylan, I think of like last waltz Dylan Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, What what do you picture? I think it's hard not to picture like the, the, what the one you described, you know, sunglasses, tight fitting clothes, you know? Yeah. Um, he looks kind of like a rat a little bit, you know, like he's got a little rat vibe. He's. Because he's so scrawny and he's on so many uppers that he's very fidgety too. So he's kind of always grabbing a cigarette or drinking a drink or, you know what I mean? He's always got something in his hand, something in his mouth, but he's, uh-huh. but yeah, that, that's, it's hard not to think of that, but, um, but I, the younger, even than that, Dylan is kind of shocking to see. Um, it's not definitely not what I picture is like, you know, remember in, the, in No Direction Home, like the kind of the, some of the first live kind of concert footage he's doing for television, he's just screaming times are a changing out into, or blowing mm-hmm. in the wind, <laughs> like in black and white. And he looks super nervous and he's not doing a great job. And I, I think the microphone is like put just a little too high. <laughs> so he's like yeah. having to kind of like, like crane his neck upwards and he's got the harmonica there and he just looks like he's 12 years old yeah that's that's a dylan that like i never think of the 12 year old dylan <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. yeah man some of those like uh man you also as a dylan fan you get so many gifts over the years like this archive like the um the archive series just opens up like you you hear all this stuff that was just like recorded as demos or even just like alternate takes of songs like you know there's a there's a just piano version of uh like rolling stone out there Mm. but then there's all these songs that like uh what's that song i forget what it's called but it's like a hard time in new york town or whatever yeah 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 there's all these really old like young dylan songs that he never really uh put out there right um officially the the bootleg series yeah moonshine series yeah yeah moonshiner comes from that and uh moonshiner is one of my favorite dylan recordings ever made and it's not on a traditional album you know it's on this uh bootleg series definitely definitely worth uh checking out if you're a bob dylan fan and you want to hear some really freaky cool bob dylan stuff uh i think the uh i think and i think they're all let me make sure they're all on um spotify (laughs) like the entire i think the entire bootleg series is on spotify um which is uh good for us you know 
Well, here's what I... Uh, okay, so here's what I like about the documentary as a whole. And here's what I... This documentary left me wanting more of. Okay. I think it's really... It's awesome to see this documentary that's everything up to him going electric and people being idiots about it and him like not to rain for a long time. Um, I think that's like a really uh, cool period of time and a good end point. I kind of wa- just wanted to wa- keep watching the rest of the story though. I want to, I want everything I want. And I don't often want this from bio, uh, you know, biography documentaries, but I wanted it to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. At least up into the nineties or something. Yeah. That's going to be really interesting. I will say like, um, it, it's good. You're, I think you're going to enjoy, like, I hate to say it. I, I think, I think Rolling Thunder review, I know I mentioned it a bunch of times, but we're going to recover on this show. So I, you know, as a little bit of even a preamble to that, I think you're really going to enjoy that documentary. I think that documentary cool. has a lot to offer. And it's also like, going to show a, a whole different side of Dylan and a different scene and a different, like, you know, different kind of art that he was involved with and like a bunch of different musicians. Like no longer is it, he's rolling around with the folk people. It's all the rocker people now. <laughs> so, mm. so it's going to be like, yeah, anyways. So, uh, but I really want them to do another one from the 80s era Dylan and the 90s era Dylan and the 2000s era Dylan. Like, yeah, granted, the 2000s era Dylan's probably going to be far less interesting. But, you know, he's... He, at one point, it becomes a Christian. Like, that's super weird to me. Like, I want to see what the heck that was about. And then and then, no longer, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's so... I, I. I agree with you there. I want to see this whole story put together someday in a way that you can almost just kind of just watch watch his life and sort of study sort of what he how he moved and what he did. And cuz the yeah. 90s stuff is really interesting too like you said like he's still making a lot of music and touring and doing stuff. It doesn't seem like he's as out there you know, like out in the public eye as much as, uh, as much as he definitely once was. And maybe that's on purpose, but so like, but what is, what do you think he would, he got up to into in the nineties and in the two thousands, you know? Well, I know I'm trying to, was trying to figure out the name. There was an album that came out that was actually pretty good. And he had in like the mid two thousands. Um, yeah that I feel like he had like a little like modern times. Is that the yeah. One? Modern times. Yeah. Yeah. Modern. T- I liked modern times. Um, but yeah, the nineties, I have no idea. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he like did unplugged. That's like probably the only thing I've really listened to much from the nineties. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like these albums world gone wrong. I guess I remember that one. Time out of um, mind is the one I, I remember the most. Right. Yep, I remember time out of mind. Yeah, what I really want too out of like a you know a seventies era like Dylan documentary, and maybe I I mean thinking about it now, I'm like if you actually did a documentary, a single documentary on his entire career, 
it would have to be six hours long. Right. Like there's just no way it couldn't be six hours long. Yeah. So maybe it is, you, you do have to do it in these like chunks, but I mean, it'd be so cool to get interviews with like, uh, you know, all these people that he's influenced over the years, like, uh, you know, the stones and the, you know, I'm a big grateful dead fan. And one of the things aside from like playing with the grateful dead, one of the things that he did, uh, to their music is, they like covered great covered Grateful Dead song or uh, Bob Dylan songs all the time, and then you know obviously there is like his influence on the Beatles and all sorts of different uh, really good art was inspired yeah. by by Dylan, which I, which is amazing. It's crazy because I, I don't know, like I maybe I'm wrong about this, but my not being alive in like the early '60s or whatever. It just seems like what he was doing was so different. And, uh, I don't know. It's like revolutionary almost. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely, I definitely agree with that. Like he, well, there's something too to be said about like, I think he definitely like pushed music forward. And then I think he like is responsible for like bringing so much bringing music ushering music into like new and interesting eras through time i think at some point that definitely stops though like in the 80s like he's much less of a trend setter mm. as he is just his own sort of artistic voice you know i watched that um that pseudo documentary about david bowie recently they just came out into theaters have you have you heard about this eric this uh bowie no, documentary i'm interested yeah it's it's really great it's a little long um but it kind of paints Bowie in this really interesting... You kind of get to see a lot of Bowie's career and how it starts and sort of how, where it ends off. And and you see with him as well, like, both these guys never... They, they... When they stop being super relevant, that is to say, the teens aren't listening anymore, right? Mm-hmm. They never, like... It's not like they become I'm trying to think of a band that this would apply to like maybe the stones are like this where they just kind of like now the stones are just doing their old hits for old people like kind of yeah. forever uh yeah David Bowie and, and Bob Dylan they keep making albums like right. they keep doing it and they keep doing their own thing and now it's and now it's it's not like a trend setting thing now it's just like they're just doing their own art and you, and you either get on board the train or you don't. And that's totally fine if you don't, but there's some interesting stuff there. So you see like an old David Bowie still writing cool, provocative music, uh, albeit to a much less broad of an audience. Now it's uh-huh. just sort of for the people who want, uh, want to just keep seeing how an artist ages like that and how they develop. I think that's super interesting. Like, you know, the idea that Dylan is still out there, interested in music, thinking about music. You know what I mean? Like that's, and he's what, a hundred years old now. <laughs> so yeah, it's like eight, 81. Yeah. There. That's, uh, that's, that there's, that's really special. There's something really to that. And really, I think worth, um, worth listening to and worth keeping in touch with. You know, and I think like, I think his, you know, him being 81, 
Now Scorsese is 81 at least. Um, they're about the same age. Watching these two, their, their two careers and how they've sort of informed one another, the times they've crossed paths, the times that they've disagreed and not gotten along. I mean, how do you feel about the Scorsese-Dylan relationship? Like we know from Last Waltz that there was definitely like times when Scorsese has been less than pleased with Dylan, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I bet you like any filmmaker that tries to work with Dylan <laughs> would feel that way though. Yeah. Um, he just seems like he's probably difficult to work with uh, in that kind of situation. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, but then, you know, it's funny to watch him. We saw, we saw footage of him in like the traveling Woolberries where he's just making music with his buddies. Right. And, uh, He's kind of like one of the team, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. He's just so I don't know. I think he's just a little. He's a little uh, troublemaker, that villain. <laughs> and uh, I think that's just part of his. Uh, that's just one of his quirks. Yeah. yeah. And it says a lot that like someone like Scorsese would would you know want to continue working uh, with him. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. or or just still so fascinated yes with him you know like because scorsese's always maintained like a really great relationship with the stones you know what i mean like they're buddy buddies they hang out he shoots their concerts but with dylan it's like a little different dylan he never you don't get the sense that they hang out a lot you know it's more like right it's more just this fascination and mutual probably respect for each other's careers you know in a way, they both sort of changed their medium. You know, like, I don't think about film without thinking about Scorsese. And I don't think about music without thinking about Bob Dylan, you know? Right. Agreed. Um, Jeremy, what do you think of this documentary? If you had to, you know, if someone told you there are four Chucky Freckles <laughs> and four of them is a perfect score, right? how many would you leave on there? You know... I think I think this this would be a easy 4 out of 4 for me, but I'm actually going to give it a 3.5. I think No Direction Home gets a 3.5 from me, which hold on, let me make sure nothing else I didn't give anything else 3.5 mm-hmm. that's it's tying with it might be embarrassing. Oh, The Departed got a 3.75. Departed's almost a perfect movie. Yeah, I agree with that. So, okay, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, 3.5. I think Bob Dylan's No Direction Home is a 3.5. I think it's 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 weird. Um, it's weird. Yeah, it, yeah, because I gave George Harrison's documentary a 3. I think, I think I like this one just a little bit more. But they both kind of are suffering this from the same problem of, like, for me, that's like it's not quite a film. It's like, it, it, it does, it straddles the line a little bit where I'm like, I'm kind of like, I kind of can't just throw this on. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> or I guess you can, but you, you know what I mean? Like it, you're not going to be finishing it. You don't, and maybe this isn't even intended to be watched like a traditional movie, you know, but rather right. in parts. But I think that for me, um, you know, and not to spoil anything, I might rank that next Dylan documentary by Scorsese a little higher, and it will only be because I feel like it's a complete thing. Like, I feel like it's one complete package that doesn't, that is very focused. Like, um, like you said, you know, you wanted this documentary to keep going, 
And I agree with that. The only thing I would stipulate is like, I want several, I want a hundred documentaries and I want them to all yeah. be focused on a different part of his like career. Sure. So 3.5 for me, this is a, this is very good stuff though. I, I want, I want to like emphasize that this is a, this is my, this is the strongest recommend for a 3.5, almost perfect score movie you'll get from me. Um, what about you? Yeah, I'll give it a 3.5 as well. I think that's a that's a fair score. Uh, you know. Uh it says a lot for me that I uh will enjoy watching a three and a half hour hour movie again. Um probably for the third time or something in yeah. since this has come out. Um but yeah, it's it's great. It's it's very valuable resource as a Dylan fan. Um I'm curious to like uh, know if someone to hear what someone who doesn't really like or know much about Bob Dylan thinks of this movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, pretty funny. Yeah, I uh, I like it. Three point five. Um, Jeremy, uh, do we have to cover Hotel Transylvania? Because <laughs> that's next, and Sandler Dude. it looks like does star in it. Yeah. I think I think we do. I think there's three of them. <laughs> Damn it! All right, uh, next week. <laughs> so he plays Count Dracula. Yeah, in, uh, in a movie called Hotel Transylvania. I just don't see a way out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll be covering all three of those, but we're going to start with the first one next week. Um, and uh, that will be followed up, uh, you know, by Grown Ups Two. So we're in for uh, we're in for a, a wild couple of weeks here. Um, if you are uh, looking for some other great movie content, uh, go to that Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy. Uh, we are starting Blart Vember, and you don't want to miss out. Blart Vember, Jeremy, is one of these things where. Yeah, you can wait until we do all the episodes and go back, you know, and listen to them. Uh, they'll be there. But it's kind of it's like watching a football game or something. Right, you know what I mean? It's right. like you want to be there when the episode drops on Patreon. You press play right away. You stop what you're doing. You pull your car over. <laughs> you listen to all, you know, 40 or so minutes of the episode. That's and then you right. Gr- go finish your drive to the, uh, the grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Yes, everything he just said is correct, folks. Um, well, anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, follow us on Twitter at HubieHalloween1. And Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.